0: Welcome to New Song Foundations. We are looking forward to sharing with you today as we dive into the topic of discipleship and mission, something that is very crucial to who we are as a church body and crucial to the church at large. So we're eager to open this up for you today and to share our hearts with you.
1: Yeah, we want to start with pointing out the obvious, which is the Great Commission and actually that term the Great Commission and what that actually means and how we've come up with other terms that are similar and linking to that term over time, like missionary, missions, short-term missions, long-term missions. All of that is based on this one statement that Jesus made in Matthew twenty-eight nineteen: go and make disciples. And that's the mission. Most of you are familiar with the original language, which is actually more appropriately translated, as you go, make disciples. And so what Jesus is saying is, in your life, as you walk through life, as you go about your life, make disciples. And so the Great Commission is actually a call to a lifestyle regardless of where you live. Some people have a call to go to the nations and end up in other countries other than where they were born. Some people have a call to stay exactly where they are. It doesn't matter the location, the geography, the region. The where is not the point of this statement, of this commission. It's the action lifestyle of making disciples in every circumstance.
0: And it's the mentality, too. And I think one of the things that Chris and I have so much on our hearts, really burning in our hearts, is the idea of getting outside the walls of the church. So when we talk about going or as we go making disciples, we're not talking about staying inside the walls of the church. We can't get very far if we're inside the walls of a house. We need to be willing to go outside the walls, and that's where we engage in discipleship. So our mindset should be a discipleship mentality. And one of the verses that we feel is key to that is Psalm 2.8. And it's the father speaking and saying, ask me and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession. And I love how as the church, we come into possession of everything that was given to Abraham and his kids. In other words, to Israel as part of the covenant that God made with him. So all of that now, as we are children of the new covenant is ours. And so when the father says, to Abraham, I'm going to make you a blessing to the nations. And then he says to Jesus prophetically in this psalm, ask me and I will make the nations your inheritance. We have to realize that as the church of Jesus Christ, we are inheritors of all of those things. So what the father is essentially saying to us is church, ask me. And as you ask me, I'm going to fulfill your request. In fact, I've already fulfilled your request. I'm going to make the nations your inheritance. So our mindset is asking and expecting that the nations will become our inheritance as kingdom expanders. We release the power of the kingdom, the life of the kingdom, the goodness of the kingdom into every nation of the world.
1: That's right. And I want to jump back real quickly to this original commission from Jesus and focus on the second half, which is to make disciples. And this is why we have this section entitled Discipleship and Mission, because we believe the two are inextricably linked, that you can't have mission without discipleship and vice versa. The two are dependent upon each other. And so, The objective is for us as the church to recognize that discipleship is the biggest part of that mission. Again, it's not about the where, it's about a constant action. It's an action verb as we live, as we walk, as we go, make disciples. And so discipleship is the point of mission.
0: If you have watched one of the resources in our curriculum list, A documentary entitled Sheep Among Wolves Part Two, you will connect with what we're about to open up. And that is the idea of discipling pre-believers. So as we've already discussed, discipleship mentality is to be part of everything that we do. Whenever we're going, whenever we're engaging with the world. We are to be making disciples. So what we love about this documentary is that it portrays so powerfully what is happening in the underground church, specifically in the country of Iran, and how these Christians in Iran, in the underground church, have learned through the leading of the Holy Spirit what it looks like actually to disciple pre-believers. Now, what does that mean to disciple a pre-believer? Well, what it displays in the video is this mentality that they have embraced of pulling someone in to their lives, to their circle, allowing them to experience it, to taste it, even before that person becomes officially a believer in Jesus Christ. It so powerfully demonstrates how this attitude this mindset is explosively causing the church to grow in iran
1: yeah what i love about that documentary is it helps us as westerners get out of this mindset of there's just two types of people there's believers and there's non-believers and we hang out with believers and we pray for non-believers or we send evangelists to go get them We've got to get out of that mindset, church, and so we want to use that video as a tool to inspire you, to inspire us as a church, a different way of looking at non-believers, looking at them as pre-believers, looking for avenues into their life, into relationships, so that we can begin to disciple them before they even know that that's what we're doing.
0: I just love this because there's this new mentality of pulling someone in and saying, walk with me. And as we walk together, I will explain to you. I will show you. And even more important, I will pique your curiosity. I will create a hunger in you through the way I live, the way I speak. And obviously, it's the Holy Spirit who is stirring that person's heart but the non-believer walking with a believer through their everyday life will begin to cause questions. It will begin to cause a desire for the things of the Lord that they would not have had otherwise and probably would not have had if someone just walked up to them on the street and said, Hey, you're in sin. You need to know Jesus. He will take away your sins. Give your life to the Lord right now. And so it's kind of a subversive or a backdoor underground tactic of discipling. Where we pull someone in and say, hey, do you want to come pray with me? Hey, do you want to come to church and see how we do things? Do you want to be around when I'm talking to this person and teaching them about the Lord? Do you want to come have dinner with our family? And as we sit around the table, we're going to talk about the things of God. All of those things are planting seeds, creating curiosity, and actually discipling this person in the ways of the Lord before they even fully give their life to Christ.
1: And then the objective would be, as that individual is growing in maturity, we come alongside to transition them from milk to meat. And so this is all part of discipleship, and this is all part of the fellowship of the believers together, because as the body of Christ, we're part of that discipleship team.
0: This is something I am personally very passionate about, having grown up in the church I have watched over and over again so many believers stay stuck in their growth because they have been fed a continual diet of milk. They have been allowed to stay in a place where they're constantly being retaught so to speak, the fundamentals of the basics of the gospel, they haven't been challenged to move outside of those fundamentals. They haven't been challenged to start walking in the power of God for themselves, walking in the fullness of the presence of God. And they've been handed everything almost spoon fed. And on that note, I just want to read a passage from Hebrews. This is something that I feel like Paul would exhort us as a body if he were standing in front of us, In person, he would probably speak this to us, especially as a team of leaders. And this is Hebrews 5, starting in verse 11 through the end of the chapter. About this, we have much to say, and it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. And I just love how the author of Hebrews here is exhorting the church and verbally chastising them in the best possible way and saying, you should be further along in your journey than you are. You should be able to be a teacher by now. You should be eating solid food because solid food is for the mature. Only babies drink milk. And so as leaders, this is a call to action for us. We can't let those that we are leading stay in a state of spiritual infancy. We have to pull them along. For instance, Take someone with you out onto the street and do a treasure hunt with them and say, let's go pray for people on the streets. Let's go declare the goodness of God and give prophetic words to strangers that we've never met before and ask the Lord to heal people's bodies as we meet them on the street. That's beginning to train someone in solid food. Give someone an opportunity to step out in their spiritual gifts in a Sunday morning gathering or in a gathering anytime during the week and say, Hey, you know that gift that the Holy Spirit's given you? It's time for you to use it before they're even ready, before they even feel ready. That's training someone to eat solid food. And all of these things as leaders are part of our call. To look at those that we are discipling and to raise them up past that stage of milk, which is important. They've got to have that milk, but then move them on into maturity in the spirit.
1: Amen. And that maturity is about the whole man, the entire person. One of my favorite verses in discipleship is First Thessalonians. And in chapter 5, I think it's actually the end of the letter, Paul's letter to the church in Thessalonica. He says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your spirit and soul, and body be preserved, entirely blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. One of the reasons I love this verse is because it talks about the three parts of man, body, soul, and spirit, and talks about how the sanctification process is about all three of those aspects. That's the completely, quote unquote, that Paul is talking about. In body, and in soul, and in spirit, we're working towards sanctification, but it's not just about becoming healthy and wealthy and wise. It's unto something. It's unto the coming of our Lord Jesus. So in other words, it's about the kingdom. Discipleship is about the kingdom. It's about building the kingdom, not just about building the man and causing a man to flourish in life, which is a beautiful reason for discipleship. But it's beyond that. It's about preparing souls for the kingdom. And then beyond that, we believe that kind of one of the missing ingredients in discipleship over the last many years, perhaps, has been this element of reproducibility. And I believe we've talked about this before, but it's worth mentioning again that when you look at the seed of a tree, for example, the code that is in that seed includes the regeneration of a new tree, of course. But it's more than that it includes the code for that new tree to then regenerate another new tree and so on. That's actually built into the seed. And that's how discipleship should be. That we're not just discipling and pouring into somebody's life so that their life can be enhanced, but so that they can replicate the same thing. So that when we are meeting with somebody and pouring into their lives and living life with them and maturing them that we're including in this process, this isn't about you, this is for you to do the same thing at the same time. And so we believe that discipleship is always a gesture of one hand reaching up and another hand reaching down, if you will. That hand reaching up is, hey, would you please take me under your wings. Would you disciple me? Would you grow me into maturity? And and that hand reaching down is finding someone who's a new believer or a pre-believer or behind you that you can pour into, that you can love on, that you can help grow into maturity, into that sanctification process. That's what we're all called to as believers. This is the commission to make disciples. And as we make disciples, make them the same way that Jesus made them. Jesus picked 12 guys and he poured into them. And then he said, now you go do the same, kind of like the original network marketer. And so what Jesus is teaching us is have that mentality of replicating this, pour into people and teach them to do the same.
0: This should be one of the most crucial fundamentals of our job as a leader, of our mindset as a leader, that we should always be looking for those that we can disciple and train them in how to make disciples themselves. And another thing I want to point out is going back to the idea of cross-pollination. I know we've touched on this a little bit at different points in some of these fundamental podcasts, but cross-pollination is really key here because the fact of the matter is is that i myself tiffany i don't have everything in me for the discipleship process of another believer in other words All of my strengths, all of my gifts, everything that I carry, it's who I am. It's who the Lord has made me to be. But I am not an entity unto myself with everything that I need to cause someone else as a new believer or as a growing believer to fully flourish, and be completely discipled. I literally have to join hands with other believers who have strengths, giftings, and callings in other areas that I do not and cross-pollinate with them for the sake of this new and growing believer and say to that person, hey, guess what? I want to send you over to this person. They're going to train you in this. This person has an amazing evangelistic gift or an amazing inner healing gift or an amazing prophetic gift Or an incredible way of training you how to take your mountain for the kingdom of God. All of these things that maybe I see, I need some help with this because so-and-so is stronger in that gifting than I am. I freely send that person to experience maybe another level or a deeper place of that gift so that that cross-pollination causes that believer to be so strongly discipled, they are getting the benefit of the entire body. And I think one of the things we have to do in order to pursue that is to break off that competition mindset, break off that idea that I should have it all. I should be able to give it all to you. Hey, why would you go and talk to that person? Or why would you go glean from that church? Or why would you listen to that podcast? I'm discipling you. All you need to do is talk to me. That is a wrong mindset that the church has embraced because of the strategies of the enemy and wanting to cause us to walk in pride, wanting to cause us to walk in competition with one another.
1: Sometimes it's presented under the guise of protection, we don't want you to be devoured by wolves. And so, no, you can't listen to other podcasts. You can't go to other conferences You need to stay within our community.
0: Right. And what happens in that mentality is the growth of that new believer gets short-circuited because they only are drinking from one well, so to speak. And so they don't have their immune system built the way that it should be. They don't get all the vitamins and minerals that they should be getting. They become somewhat anemic or stunted in their growth. And so what we want to do is encourage you as leaders cross-pollinate, encourage your disciplees to glean from not only all of the leaders at New Song, all of the different houses that are part of New Song. Hey, go visit the San Juan Capistrano house, or go visit the Dana Point house, or go up to the Santa Barbara house and glean from what they carry up there. That should be part of who we are and what we encourage those that we're discipling to do.
1: Just like the word Trinity isn't in the Bible, but it's a very clearly taught concept. Cross pollination is never mentioned in the book of Acts, but each story, chapter by chapter, is riddled with the concept of cross pollination as the disciples went out they mixed and matched teams. They went from city to city. They headed one direction. The Holy Spirit retracked them over to another direction. There was constant movement. It was very organic, and there was always cross-pollination happening.
0: Obviously, we want to see that believers are rooted and grounded in a family and that they are committed to a house, so to speak. That they have a part of that family life, that body life, and they are also accountable to the leaders of that family. That's very, very important, that accountability and that rootedness. However, as far as their spiritual growth goes, they should be able to glean from other places and only be the better for it.
1: So beloved, we wanna keep this uppermost in our minds. The nations, the nations, that's our inheritance. The ends of the earth, that's our possession. Can we think that way? Can we act and behave and believe that way? We love you. We look forward to our next time together. God bless.